We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Husband shirt, nigga. That's what it is. Okay. It doesn't count yeah, as buy yourself your own trophy husband. Yeah, no, no, it does count. It's a psychological thing, brother. It's a psychological. So they they feel the aura. Okay. I say, you know something about that nigga, man. He he's um, got that 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 shine to him, but I just don't know what it is. I love it. I love it. So, how often do you do podcasts? Um, probably once a month at least maybe once a month i do somebody's podcast so i do them pretty often have you have you become like the guy in the sense of like we want to attach dapper to this you know what i mean like i feel like um in in my time in arizona there was always like a wave of people you know what i mean I, okay. I think uh chris I don't know why I was gonna say Chris Bouchard. I don't know why the fuck I'm. I've been watching a lot of Chris Bouchard, <laughs> the light skinned brother from uh, Fox Chris Sports. Bennett. I remember when okay, Chris yeah. Bennett, yeah, really came through Arizona and like everybody wanted a, a piece of him. And and everybody's had their wave. I think when when mm. you talk about the elite comics, um, even your Ty Rivera when he was uh, in Arizona and left and kind of came back. Like where where do you see yourself, and where do you feel like the scene as far as Arizona sees you? Well, well if you ask me, I'm always gonna feel like the Bernie Mac of the scene. Okay, I'm gonna feel like the one that always gets overlooked. Yay! Uh, okay, because because maybe he might be too raw or too uh uncontrollable mm. you know um so where yes there have been people that come along and stuff like that through here that we've seen that it's like oh man they're on to the michael longfellows and they're, they're on doing things and stuff like that not everybody you know is different especially when you are a black comic Mm-hmm. You really have to have something behind you mm-hmm. that makes them want to be like, mm. uh, old boy was saying today, uh, Chris Collinsworth was saying, you know, everybody. <laughs> we want too much I, I, sports. First of all, I don't like him, but I will say he did make a point that there's got to be more to you than just being good at what you do. You have to have a story. You have to have something that makes people want to gravitate take to you and want to promote you mm-hmm. so um until you have that you're just another person that, that's telling jokes yeah i um i'm i'm more i'm more fox sports over espn it's been like that for a while though i i will say that too i will say that too you know i think i think there's more more real characters because mm. I, I like speak for yourself 
uh, after they got rid of Jason Whitlock. Yes. After, yes. They, after they got rid of Jason Whitlock, I was like, hey, I can watch this now. I oh. like uh, Emmanuel Ocho and Marcellus <laughs> Wiley talking. I could dig that, you know. Facts. I'm not, a, like I said, I'm not a Chris Collinsworth or whatever his dude, uh, Coward, Chris Coward, whatever yes, his name yeah. is. Uh, I love I'm not too big a, Yeah, I'm not too big a fan of the dude, but, you know, Skip and Shannon, you know. Yeah. I I, I, I I like the realness of them. Yeah. Have you, I feel like you would be like, you would excel at something like that. Just sitting down talking sports. Cause I feel like other than comedy, you're very passionate about sports. Is that a oh, fair yeah. thing to say? Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that is a fair assessment. Um, I, man, I was an athlete and a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them <laughs> I was a good athlete at one point in time. I was a really good athlete uh, and, you know, just being young and dumb and being not really having anybody to keep me focused. So I went different directions, but I've always stayed close to sports. If I could sit up there, and if, if I had a retirement job outside of comedy, it would either be politics or coaching basketball. You know, it would be somewhere there, but it's definitely commentary. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I'm a little bit too, too honest in my opinions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And sometimes people love them. Sometimes people hate them, but they're, they're just some like, sort of like Charles Barkley. Yeah. P- people, people, there's certain people you will accept with that type of honesty and some people you won't, you know, don't know if they'll like mine. They'd be like, Hey man, we got to get this nigga out of here. He's doing too much. <laughs> I feel like Charles Barkley is more wrong than right. But like, like we, we like we mentioned the other time on the phone. Like sometimes when they're right, they're right, and I think mm-hmm. you can't you can't take that away from it. Whoever it is that's saying it, um, we haven't done a but proper- you but you know but you know one thing about him, whether right or wrong, he either believes it, and at times you can see him be swayed from that. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, where it's like, okay, I was wrong, and then I come back. Everybody's wrong at some point in time. How do you, you know, bounce back from the, hey, well, you know, are you set in your ways and mm-hmm. refuse to be enlightened and have a different, you know, view than what you had before? I'm always open. Rarely do they change it because I'm usually right. That's debatable. Hey, check this out. Check this out. In any situation where you've ever seen me wilding out on somebody or anything, was I wrong? Okay. Was I wrong? Could I have handled it differently? Yes. But what I, was I wrong gotcha. about gotcha. having to address that behavior or that action? I never think I was. I mean, because like I said, some things just have to be addressed. But as you get older, you learn how to address them differently mm-hmm. and in a more professional way. Mm-hmm. But I was never wrong about the things that I was saying. It's just how <laughs> I was saying it. God damn yeah. All right, yeah. so, uh, let's let's dig uh, really because I know we don't have all the time in the world. And I know we can talk for for a long time. Let's 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 go back a little bit with with Mike B. Dapper and who he is as a comedian uh, and how long you've been officially doing. Like, when do you say, "Hey, I started here, and this is this is who I am now"? Well, you know, I started on my thirty third birthday. I'll be forty two at the end of this month, right? And so I'm I'm pushing nine years. And it, I, I stopped um, because I was in radio before. I was on a, a, a radio out here in Phoenix with like Kiss FM and Mega 104.3. It was on the morning show uh, with Kiss FM. And then, uh, you know, I 
radio, I think around that time in 2000, around 2008, 2009, started to make a different turn because the economy had uh, crashed and everything. And a lot of the DJs that were like local DJs that were getting good contracts and stuff like that because they were eating good at, at a period of time. And when all that happened, radio stations had to make decisions like, well, who are we going to pay and how how can we afford that? And then cutbacks said, well, we're going to cut these contracts. And if you want to be on radio, then, you know, you could just be one of the salary people that's like $8 an hour. And it's mm-hmm. like the only people that were surviving in that field and were being able to get paid good money were people who had already had a name. And usually those people were comedians. Mm-hmm. So. I looked at it like, yo, if I want to be in radio and still be able to get good money in radio, then I need to sit up there and get a name for myself. And so I was like, all right, let me on my 33rd birthday. I I went out there and uh, you remember on uh, seventh on Central. uh, It's been so many things that little room uh, on Park Central. uh, But at that time, I saw an ad in Times New Times. Uh, do stand up, and I went there on my birthday. It was like I didn't tell nobody. I didn't want nobody. If I was so, if I was whack, I wanted to be the one that knew that, and nobody else was <laughs> going to know about that, you know. And I went in there and I did it. It was cool, and I fell in love. I didn't do it again for a couple for like up until like September because mm-hmm. there was nowhere really that spot has closed down, so I didn't know any other spots to go tell jokes at. Mm-hmm. And then I had saw an ad for stand up Scottsdale. You know, and I had went up in there on the humble and was like, oh, OK, uh, did a set. And then it was just like I was there every Wednesday from that point on, like, you know, back to back every week and just honing my skill. And where which room, if not there, do you feel like you was like your backyard to comedy where you feel like you were able to grow the most? Um, because I performed with everybody and everywhere. Uh, that, that's, I think that was one of the things that helped me to survive in comedy when things would, when, when you would, you know, not agree with a certain promoter, because if you were only doing shows in one with one, you know, promoter, then you're only really getting one. But I mean, I, you know, from the new faces to the stand up Scott, I, I think stand up Scott still really helped me, you know, because at that point in time, I was definitely afraid of talking in front of people, like just being behind the mic. Really? See, I can't, was, I cannot yeah. see that version oh. of you. Oh man. Like even in radio, like I remember my first set, my first on air performance by myself. Like you could be in there with a studio with somebody that's running the board and, and doing all this in the morning show. And you just in there as the voice. But to be in there by yourself mm, and have okay. to run the board and bring everything up. And, and it was like a, a quiet storm show. And it was like it started at midnight and I, I was in the studio by myself. I was so nervous that I was, you know, in there sweating. I had my hoodie on. I had candles lit because in my mind, I remember how Martin did it. Uh, got you, got you. Uh, <laughs> he was in the late show. And uh, Cedric Sabalos had came in there on the humble you know, because he was doing middays. Shout out to Sid because he was like one of those dudes who just take you under their wing and be like, no, I'm going to show you the ropes and how to do these things and stuff like that. And he came in there on the humble to be like, wish me good luck on my first show. And I was just so nervous. I got 
I turned on the mic and forgot that I had writ- wrote everything out and I couldn't read it because everything was candle lit mm. and I didn't even process all that. So the first break was trash. And I was like, you know, I, I stuck with it, but I was nervous. I was super nervous. So when getting into anytime I had to be on stage and radio to bring artists on, mm-hmm. oh man, it was like, it was just like nerve wracking. Like it was so, mm. like I was so, I would get so nauseous. It, it, it would just be the worst feeling. But I was like, man, if I can get past that feeling mm-hmm. to be able to be myself on in front of people, then, man, I could probably be a monster at this if I really could get to be myself. Yeah. And stand up Scottsdale going there in the beginning, week after week, I was able to do that. I was able to get over that fear of being able to talk in front of people because it was hard at first, mm-hmm. but doing it over and over and over and over again, eventually you just get rid of that. And it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, now. And then after that, I just start branching out. I start working with different promoters here. You know me, different promoters <laughs> there, <laughs> you know, some work out, some don't. <laughs> Got it. It's like, it's like relationships, you know, not everybody is meant to, to get money together. Not everybody is meant to work together because not every personality works well together, mm-hmm. you know, and you learn that along the way you, you learn that. Where, where did, uh, where did, so when I first started doing comedy, I went by day day, just day day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I got my little funky, uh, Facebook comedy page and it was comedian day day. So for mm-hmm. the first several years, it was comedian day day. Then, uh, I was using my my middle name, so I was Day Adam Peace, and then I'm at a point now where it's just Day Peace or Comedian Day. I use both of them, um, mm-hmm. but more more times than none, I use my just first and last name. Did you ever go through that where you're trying to figure out what what name should I be? Michael? Should I be Mike? Should I actually tell well, people what my middle name is? You know, like there's <laughs> only a will they be able to pronounce it? There's only a handful of people. I've heard like. Four well, times, and I could not, I could not exactly. pick line up. So, uh, yeah, exactly. how did you, <laughs> how did you decide uh, this is the name that I'm going to go with going forward? Well, because you know, at the end of the day, like you know, Michael is my you know government birth name, and there's people who know me I, by Michael. Those, that's my family. You know, my family they call me Michael. Anybody that's family, they say, "Hey, Michael." And I always wanted to understand when somebody called me mm-hmm. out. Mm. where they knew me from mm-hmm. instantly by how they called me. So if I'm walking up the street and somebody yell out, Michael, instantly I know, yo, you know me from way, where the <laughs> hell do I know you from? Like instantly. If they say Mike, I know, yo, they talking Mike. And then B is li- literally my middle initial. Mm-hmm. And being that I was born in Africa, my last name is really African, but you know, I've always been on some smooth dapper shit. So <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, Mike B, that boy Mike B Dapper. Mm-hmm. When when you look at somebody, somebody, hey, that boy, you know, my son' name is Kai Day a winner, okay? And is yeah, so Kai, you know, K A I is you know, uh, King of Kings in Western Africa. Day is, is Korean for chosen one and I, a I winner. Uh, day B A E, yeah, uh huh, yeah, and uh, a winner is Ebonics for a winner, <laughs> okay, so 
<laughs> so a winner. So that boy Kai Day, a winner. When they when they say his name, it's like it's like a phrase. So yeah. that's that's kind of like how my name is. When you say my name, you know, I wanted to be they see me on see me on the block. Oh, that boy might be Dapper. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Um, so so it's been nine years. Um, mm-hmm. You are, in my opinion, you are in a completely different place than you were nine years ago, as far as agree. and and stature. Because you you know you say, hey, if if it's up to you, this is where you rank yourself. Where does the scene see you? Because because you mentioned that you know kind of hmm. appreciated. You know they they're not giving you your your dues. Um, I felt my most successful year in Arizona was the last year right before I left. So I can believe that. I can believe you, that. Like after, you know, working with everybody that you've worked with, done all the stages, um, you now work at one of the most, you know, prestigious and successful comedy clubs, not only in Arizona, but also uh, in a, in a state that I'm nearby Minnesota. Like where are, where's Mike now in Arizona comedy? And you- Hey, you know, the funny thing is, I always say I don't give my due, and that's because I'm always with mentally with yourself. Yeah. So, like, other people might watch a set, and they'd be like, man, that was a good set. And I'd be like, man, that was trash. I forgot to <laughs> sit up there and tag this. I forgot that tag. I forgot this tag. And and, and I'm already, you know, and, and maybe if I look back at it, and I, when I watch the tape, I'd be like, oh, you know, that was all right. It was all right. But in my mind, mm-hmm. I there's so much more I want to do. So everything is just where I'm at at that moment, but I'm trying to get to a higher place. So when I sit up there and say, yeah, I don't get my due, it's only, it's only because I'm, you know, I'm just being me as far as <laughs> somebody I have to, I can't be complacent. I can't be comfortable where I'm at. So I have to always build some kind of reason to work harder. You know, and sometimes you got to tell yourself, well, they don't respect you. They ain't, obviously, if you ain't, if you're not that guy yet, then obviously you need to work harder. Now, obviously, so these little things that go on in your head, these little, these little, you know, challenges. Yeah, a, so yeah. sometimes they come out and you have to explain, no, nah, I didn't really like that. Gotcha. It's just like a, like the it's challenge you put in yourself. But okay. I, where I feel like, I, I've always felt like I'm, each year I set goals to where I want to be and things that I want to do. I feel like I've each year I've accomplished those goals, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always prided myself on somebody who don't ask for nothing. So if, if you, if you see me with something, I didn't ask for it. Somebody gave me that. Like a lot of times I don't, I don't mind people, you know, you, you, you want to put your, send a video in like, Hey, look at me. But then it gets to a point where somebody's like, Hey, sending a video in every month, every month. And I was like, at some point they saw you and you have to accept, especially when they sit up and say, Hey, look, yeah, I saw it. It was cool. But but if they're not moving on you, then they weren't excited by you. And I've always been comfortable with them not being excited. So it's like, okay, let me work harder. Mm. Okay. Let me work harder. You're not, you're not, because I've watched people do that. I've watched people sit up there and do different showcases and not, be accepted at that showcase, right? Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, they was bull jobbing. They they weren't really paying no attention. Then I go back the next year and do that, do that same sh- showcase. And they, they they was like, oh man, you know, all kind of doors started opening for me. Oh, I want this person doing it. I want you doing this all. But if I would have let that attitude of 
oh, they weren't messing with me then, you know, then why would they mess with me now as if I didn't get better in that period of time? Mm. You know, I knew I got better. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go and show how much better I've gotten this time. So maybe if they see it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he has gotten better. I respect that. But other people don't think they like, well, you saw me once and you didn't like it. Just like when I tell people as a booker, I'm like, look, you're not going to impress me off the first one. If you come and you do a set and you're like, oh, man, I killed it. I'm like, I don't know how many of them people is your family. You know, you need to show me again with a different set. If you only did a seven minute set, because if you do a different set, then I'm like, oh, word. He did that with a different with a different crowd and still got it. So now mm -hmm. I know that person has it mm -hmm. opposed to being like, well, you saw me. You didn't like me. I'm out of here. And it's like, uh, you know, you have to have that persistence of wanting to get better and not understanding that you can be better where everybody might think. Oh, well, he's all full of himself and stuff like that. I'm like, shit, I do a lot of rooms. I do. I do free shows. I, I, I do. I do paid shows. I do. I do shows to sit up there just on GP to help people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do help big business, yeah, you know, yeah. because I know, OK, you need some good comics. I know you might not be able to make a move financially mm -hmm. on this first show. I got you. You know, it depends on, on the situation, because before pandemic, I would take my merch and be like, like yo i know push come to shove it there's a lot of people my set will make me some money mm -hmm. off merch mm -hmm. you know and a lot of comics don't understand that hustle where it's like hey look you are blocking your blessing by turning down certain shows that might have a lot of exposure to you for you being that you're like mm, i'm not getting money the type of money i feel like deserve mm -hmm. me i'll be like all right i'll go give you this crack for the first time you know let you see how good it is. And then on the next time, when you'd be like, hey, can you, can you come back and do that again? I'm like, hey, my name, I'm going to have to hold, you got to let me hold right. something this time. Right, right. Because right. now you're asking for my services. First mm -hmm. time, you know, I want to just get in there and show you. And that was always my mentality. Why, why I probably stand in the position I stand in, uh, at, at the club I'm in now, because I never went in there on no money thing. I never went in there to be like, yo, pay me. Yo, pay me. I always went in there on, you need to see this. Mm -hmm. You need to see this. You know, if I'm doing a little bar or something like that, I'm be like, yo, you need to pay me. You know, uh, on the weekend, I'm doing this bar. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need some bread for that mm -hmm. because you want me to close the show or you want me to host the show. But if you just want me to come in and do a set on the weekend, I, I, I could get paid money doing this. That's where I, I, a level I got to before mm -hmm. I got to that level. It wasn't like that. I can sit up there and be like, yo, okay, I have to get my name up before they start really seeking after my services. And I think people don't appreciate the levels and the grind. And sometimes I think it gets diluted by certain people, certain promoters give comics false illusions mm -hmm. of the game mm -hmm. where they're like, hey, I deserve to get money all the time. It's like, you're not that good, my dude. Like, <laughs> like, ain't nobody coming. You ain't even making nobody chuckle like that. Like, I can't even get guarantee a laugh off of your, your set and stuff like that. And I think it's the humility of comics and understanding where they are. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a, I think that's a key to this whole thing of understanding where you are as a comic. Mm -hmm. Am I strong enough to be like stepping in the place and the owner be like, yo, you here? Hey, you want to do a guest spot? Yeah, I could do a guest spot. 
you know, because yeah, it's not you're not getting paid, but man, it's a sold a big sold out room, exactly. And they want you to do, you know, they're asking you to do a guest. You can go work on your stuff. That's certain levels. You're not gonna sit up there and be like, yeah, but you gotta pay me, you know, so, unless you at that level, level, right. which I'm not there. <laughs> okay, I feel like I'm the, the pandemic, if not, should have humbled damn near everybody when it comes should've. to the comedy game and what your expectations are compared to you know where we are because mm-hmm. when that shit hit I, I mean if you weren't affected by it then i don't know if, if i would probably consider you a real comedian because i think it had to it had to affect your pockets or your mental health it it had to do something to not be able to get on stage for for a while not all of us, but some of us did. Okay, you know, I, <laughs> not all of us. Okay, I ain't gonna hold you. It was a, it was a, a blessing, and, and it was a blessing to in that period because you know I became the booker at that time. As soon as the mm-hmm. pandemic, right when the pandemic hit, you know that's when my first my first opportunity to be a booker at a major club, and and I was able to get the stage time I wanted if I wanted, but I. You learn, you know, when you become get that position, you watch a lot of people do do that position. And it's not an easy position when you are a comedian, right. you know, and a lot, you have to be more Magic Johnson because you, before you knew I was all Kobe. You yes. know, I was yes. I was out there gunning. And <laughs> when you get a position like that, you especially during a period of time like that, when there is so many stages that are shut down and you have so many comics that are starving for stage time it was it would have been selfish of myself to sit up there and just been booking myself all the time so you know whether before i was a booker i was booked there every five weeks Mm. but once i became a booker i was there every nine weeks Mm. you know so because there was such few few stages for everybody else it was like all right well you know Mm -hmm. it, it it was but I was able to, you know, get my fives when I wanted to get my fives right. and stuff like that. So it's all, it was all perspective, like as far as how you look at it, because a lot of comics, some comics strive in the Zoom, you know, where they realize they probably got better in understanding their material more without the laughter you know <laughs> without the laughter they, it's not it's not meant to be funny but that's hilarious to me like, yeah no no because because i can hear my jokes it, out loud i hear what they know, hear. Because, because you think about it it's like you know what they, they weren't really listening to their jokes when at times when they weren't getting laughter with people there <laughs> but when, <laughs> you, the people aren't there you think you know you know what that probably wasn't that funny <laughs> you that's know but I, I know you don't have but that, not more time left uh so there's three things i want to try to get to in the short time that we have okay Um, okay one you kind of mentioned talking about being a booker um Mm -hmm. as as a as a producer of of shows myself i've always struggled with um like i'll have a show that i'll produce and i'll produce Mm -hmm. the fuck out of it like it's it's one of the best shows like you know on earth and then my set personally does not hold up to what I'm expecting. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I'll produce a shitty show and I would murder that bitch because I put more time and energy and effort into myself, my set, so on and so forth. So as a booker or just producer of shows, because you have a show that you started, the League of Extraordinary. Yeah. Um, do you do you feel like you are stretching yourself? How do you 
kind of rise to the occasion of making sure yo because again it's all about getting people there and you get people there you still yeah well so how do you uh allow yourself to kind of check off being a good promoter being a good booker while not you know letting your comedy uh suffer well, well here's the thing i mean those are two different those are those actually those are three different beasts because if you're if you're doing it and you're hosting this show then there's another beast because hosting the show isn't just like doing any set you know <laughs> right the, you, you know it then there's the the booking the show and making sure that all the comics and the lineup and the, the, the everything flows yep. everything flows uh, and then another thing is like the whole timing Making every making sure that everybody understands that you have this amount of time you need to be out because when you do a lot of shows across the valley and stuff like that you work bars you work all this you understand certain things you have people who do not care about time <laughs> and if the show starts at eight the show could start at nine you know and what that does on the audience it wears them out what that does for the headliner who now has to start an hour later and the audience is already worn out then that sits up there. So if your show is precise and in and, and the comics and you know your comics and you're giving them the right amount of time that they're there because a lot of kind of comics, oh man, only got seven minutes. This is bullshit. Like, nigga, if I give you 10, you're going to drown. I don't want to do that to you, okay? I don't want to do that to you. I think if you give them seven, that's just as much as, much as that they need of you to be like, I like that person. Mm -hmm. I, can, I, I would like to hear more of them, but they don't know if they heard more of them that they might not like that, you know? And it's knowing that okay that this needs to be tight this needs to be tight don't give them too much and a lot of that when comics start because i like to put out lineups ahead of time so you'll know how much time you're going to do and sometimes comics see how come i'm you know in their mind they like how come i'm getting six and how come they getting five and because i know all y'all sets mm. okay and i'm and i'm trying to just like a boxer i'm not trying to put you in a fight you're not ready for as, as a producer and and booker which would you rather have one of the funniest comedians that you can find, but super unprofessional or someone that is not that funny at all, but very professional and has a big following where people will come out and support. Second one, because I uh, second one, because you know me, I'm on the show. I carry <laughs> I need all that funny, baby. I don't need all Let that. Let me go make your grandma laugh. I got this nigga. Yeah. <laughs> Like shit, I, we good, baby. I don't need that. Look, uh, a lot of times during when I was doing shows, a lot of times I would be able to book shows where it would be like maybe it's not the strongest lineup, so I know I have to do a little bit more time here and there, and I position it where I will have to do more time here and there because I know that there's going to be a turnout. So a lot of times you just have to understand um, which you're in it for so when I, but when i started off before i was a booker at the club and i was just doing my own personal show i wasn't i wasn't interested in money i was interested in success so if i'm giving out if i'm doing guest spots on the weekend and i'm giving out free tickets to my show you know then obviously i'm not trying to get them to pay money to see me to see me perform i just want them in the building so that the building is packed Mm -hmm. And that the comics have a packed room. So a lot of people would be like, oh, well, you know what? When, when I first started doing shows, they'd be like, oh, he's using people. And he's just clean, cleaning up, keeping all the money. I'm like, nigga, ain't nobody making money. We <laughs> getting people there so that we can have a show. Because 
in, in, two years from now, ain't nobody going to be like, remember when you made that $25 at that show? No. They're going to be like, man, that show is still going. That's yeah. success. Yeah. I, I prefer the success <laughs> over the money. And in the long run, it got me to this position that I am right gotcha. now. <laughs> okay. Uh, the second thing, um, as far as com- comedy in Arizona with the black comedians, because mm-hmm. um, currently right now I'm, I'm working on and starting an LLC with the black comedians out in Iowa, which is something I never thought I would fucking say. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Not only be told-, I told you, what did I tell you when we was at Big Pine? If you build it, they will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, not only did I think I, I'd be working the way that I am with these guys who, who are phenomenal, but in my personal opinion, I feel like I've, I, I don't want to say I've witnessed and, and watched the fall of black comedy in Arizona. And then when I moved here, I went to Minnesota and I just felt I was going to be accepted. But them niggas like, nah, you from Iowa. So you, you, you're not <laughs> in our group, but you can kind of watch over the fence. And so I'm like, all right, let me, let me do this here. Uh, what we have right now is for me, the first time I'm seeing, you know, black comedians that are really talented with no ego, you know, like we're, we're, it's like, Mm. I want you to win. You want me to win. And we are, we're, we're succeeding in that fashion. When I was in Arizona, uh, I watched it a couple of times where it was this rise where it's like, Hey, let's all work together. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then for a a bunch of different reasons, (laughs) uh, it doesn't pan Mm. out. Mm. Um, Mm. To, it's, it's a it's a two parter. Um, where do you feel like it is right now? Because the the sad thing is for me when when the when the fall would happen when when people were going at other people, it it made us all look bad, and I felt like we all took an L as a black comedian because it was like that's how they act, and we don't want them on our shows. So one, where is black comedy at right now in Arizona? And two, do you feel like? it can ever be at a point where everybody is working together where they want to see everybody win. What is this fall you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is this fall okay. you speak of? Okay. okay, so you gotta you gotta you gotta give me more context. Okay, so you- so the context would be um it for me I, I've seen and witnessed on a couple of occasions where majority of the black comedians were wanting to work with one another to collaborate to to support and mm. then you know like i said things would happen where it's like fuck that nigga i ain't working with that person no more and and it felt like instead of a rise uh we 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 were all in separate little islands and i i see and i've watched women comedians really get together and do shit uh mexicans hispanic latinos get together and do shit but it seems like with the black comics, th- there's always been like a, a struggle that that kind of pulls us apart um, <laughs> in different in different it's, ways. It's called greed. <laughs> OK, that's greed. That's, that's genius. OK, it's, 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 it's greed. It, it's nothing more, nothing less. You know, um, it's greed and it's a, you know, comedy has an ownership to it. Right. Where. If you if you pay attention, people will feel an ownership to you. You might be out here on your own trying to get your 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 career started on your own, but there are people that are claiming ownership of you, right? Like especially when you got some talent, you know? Yeah. People say they need to make another hove. Yeah, and and but they'll they'll sit up there and they won't they won't they won't say it you know out loud and 
me, like I said, I'm a free bird. I work with everybody. You know, I work with everybody. And some clubs, I, I'm not, and as a booker, I'm, I'm not a, oh, you're working with that club or you're working with that club. No, I'm like, we should be, you know, all work. I'm cool with all working together. You know, I, I love all that. But I don't feel like anyone should have an ownership over a committee. So when people start feeling like, oh, well, I don't like the fact that you're working with that person and you're working with that person and you're working with that. And when they start sitting up there and putting those feelings into business mm -hmm. and putting those feelings, then, then it's like a, that's why you can't work with somebody because they feel like you shouldn't be doing this with this person, or they feel like you should be getting that with them. And they feel like they should be controlling that market. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get into this business to work for nobody. I got into this business to work for myself. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with somebody, it's only because it's beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, if it's not beneficial for me, then why am I doing that business? I think b the black comedy scene here isn't really strong because it isn't trying to be strong. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, it, if it was trying to be strong, then there would be a more conscious effort in being stronger on the mic one. And then like, because there's a lot of comics that love to talk about being comedians that don't put the legwork into being a comedian, mm -hmm. you know, and these are still considered comedians in the black comedy scene. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at the white comics who are out there at the open mics and they're putting in their work and everything, but yet the black comics are basically talking about being comics on Facebook mm -hmm. and on Instagram and stuff like that, that's not really strengthening the scene, you know, and then you have people who are now booking these people who aren't really strengthening themselves on the microphone, mm. but they're strengthening themselves on the promoting themselves. There's one thing to promote yourself. Then there's another thing to, to have a product ready that you've been promoting. Okay. okay. I, that makes sense. Um, see, I, Aisha Renee was always um, one of my favorite stories in the black comedian. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause she, she literally showed up uh to support her girl aziz mm -hmm. I, I don't know mm -hmm. if they're friends still or if they're not because they were and i don't i don't i lose track of that shit but uh she goes on to perform herself and just and just does some phenomenal things and then she moves mm -hmm. and so like mm -hmm. you know you move you you no longer are essentially part of that um but she'll be back like, she'll be back uh april 29th through the uh, the weekend of April 29th, uh, she'll be uh, the host at the House of Comedy Ooh. and she'll be closing on uh, May 4th at okay. the House of Comedy at the uh, Funniest Person with a Day Job Contest. So, I, I, so. Love, I love that you guys can still reach out and bring her back and include her. Uh, like Clayton Perkins is one of my personal favorites. If you were, uh, like, if you were the, the top of the Black comedians in Arizona, um, mm -hmm. what would you do to pull people together um see here's the thing you know to pull people together man that's a tough one because you know you have to want to do something right, thing right. to be <laughs> able to, to right. do it right okay. i help i help a lot i, I have a i help a lot of comedians like mm -hmm. comedians black white 
Indian and Asian mm-hmm. comedians, you know, people that want it. You know, I I don't I don't like I, I judge you by your heart, right? And how you maneuver. And once I know once I know your heart, mm-hmm. then I don't need to do I don't need to know anything else. And it doesn't it's not a bring along because you can bring somebody along. And if you bring somebody with a bad heart along to this table, then it's all going to fall apart because you're going to have a cancer in there. Right, right. So I think at times, I think at times people have to, like, what can I do for the black community? Like, as far as the black time, all I can do is what I've been trying to do is, is give them stages. Like, like, I try to be there every week. I try to be there on the open mics. I try to be there on the uh, different shows when they're performing to be able to see them. When they ask me questions, I try to give them answers. When people send me their videos, I tr- I watch them. I I try. I I I tell them what I th- if they I tell them like uh, I'll give them. I don't tell them what I think unless they truly ask me what I think. But then I tell them what I really think when they ask me, you know, and I always tell them just because I say you're not ready now doesn't mean you'll never be ready. That just means you're not ready now. And um, I I try to I like this this year, there's been more black comics apply in the funniest person with a day job than I've ever seen. Right. I don't know if, if it's because they feel like there's opportunity at the club because they see me thriving at the club yeah, you're, you you're, uh, you're you're like the you're like uh the black i can't say black messiah because of you know fred hampton but you're that you like it i can understand looking at you know a uh, a person of color a black man a black very funny comedian like it'd be one thing no offense if you were like a black comic that was whack and you're like oh that nigga probably did this that and the other to get that spot but you you have all of the credentials that should go with the position so i can understand being like a young guy and be like oh that nigga he he's the guy but you know how i how <laughs> right I he's still going he's still going through. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still like a, because because i've been so so true to who i am and not tolerating certain things but some people don't realize is is like if you like people might look at man he's wilding out and then there's other people that's looking at why is he wilding out and if they look at what he's really saying then they'd be like "Mm, (laughs) yeah i just wouldn't do it that way but he has a point Mm -hmm. and they can see through that and they see the hard work we put aside the fact that i'm a, a you know a good comedian I had to put asses in the seat for over two years with my show uh, at the House of Comedy for it to be like, you know, hey, we want you to be the booker. Mm-hmm. I had to have built relationships with different like people. A, because- this was a two, like a Tuesday. It was a weekday show, right? Yeah. 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 That's important you know, that people who don't understand. Right. So being able to, be, to consistently bring in like 70 people on a on a tuesday and then you know um have a different lineup mm-hmm. that is multi-racial uh 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 always had at least two to three women on my shows i've never had a show that was just all dudes mm-hmm. i've never had any any kind so it was always like a hey look we're gonna all have an opportunity to eat you know where if we always as soon as i got the booker job what did i do i was like hey ladies 
you know, who wants to produce some shows? If we've all been complaining that we don't have no opportunities, well, there we go. Let's get mm-hmm. it. Who wants mm-hmm. the opportunity? It, it, now show me you can hustle because if you can't hustle, then, hey, I'm not going to keep you just because you happen to be a minority or ha- because you happen to be a woman. This is your opportunity to show that people who didn't want to give us an opportunity that we can do it. Mm-hmm. And, man, you got people like Tara Shakespeare and Ashley Rose that have been, man, killing it. Mm-hmm. Philip Jewell, Dietrich Rashad and Rose Vertigo. Man, they've had shows during the pandemic that were like 90 people strong, you know, during a pandemic, dur- during lockdown. <laughs> they were pulling crowds during lockdown. So it's like a lot of times it's just like opportunity. We all need opportunity. And I don't always plan on being in a position for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's always a step. So as long as I'm whenever I'm in a position to help people who are trying as hard as I feel I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, here, because I've never been intimidated by anybody's success. Mm-hmm. No one's success will hinder or stunt mine. We all have our own path. It's people who feel like, oh, because you got on, I'm not going to be able to get on. Like, that's bullshit, you know, and that thinking is bullshit and is what keeps people from wanting reasons probably why I wasn't able to get into the house of comedy when I used to want to get into the house of comedy. Because, you know, it was years that I wasn't allowed to even get up in there, you know. So, uh, but then look what happened. It's always the story of you can't stop anybody's destiny. You you try to prolong it, but at the end of the day, it's going to be what it is. You might as well be a part of it and not be in a hindrance mm-hmm, to it because mm-hmm. once they get to where they get to, now they're going to remember all the bull job you did to keep them from getting somewhere that they were already destined to get to. Mm-hmm. They knew it. You just didn't. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I kind of said it better. Uh, and it, 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 it's almost sad, but you know, like you said, like looking back at it now, it all worked out the way it's supposed to. So uh, I got one it more thing. How it's supposed to. Yeah. And uh so so this this year you you it was this year you beat cancer, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't yeah. know if we're, if we're talking about that or if that was off limits, but I mean it's cool. Well shit, we talking about it now. <laughs> I can I can edit it. Yeah, I wouldn't edit it. edit it. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I think I think that, so that's good. a remarkable um chapter in the Mike B. Dapper book you you you're you're domesticated like i am like you're married you have babies <laughs> you have to chase around uh you have the most yeah. trained dog i've ever seen in a household with a nigga like this is, <laughs> this is very impressive uh, <laughs> out of, out of things, um what what chapter are you on in life right now with with you know being a booker doing comedy yourself for nine years and all of these other things that have really helped mold you to who you are today. What chapter would you say you are on in life? I feel like, like, man, cause this is a beautiful time in my life. This is like a, like a, cause rarely do you get a moment to appreciate what you're doing. Right. And, and like, because when comedy gets taken away and then everything, because everything gets taken away. Cause right now I feel like I'm on the, like a, a champion who just got knocked out and is trying to get his belt again. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Mm. Um, I had to take time off, you know, I had to take time off and I didn't tell nobody, like nobody knew I, you know, was dealing with that or battling that because I didn't want nobody sitting up there doing anything special for me. I don't want any, I didn't want anything special. I didn't want any special opportunity. Everything I get, I want to earn. I told you before, I don't ask for shit. So if, if, if you see me with it, if you see me with opportunities, somebody gave it to me. I didn't ask. They saw what I was doing and said, hey, you know what? 
I would like to give you this. I would want you to give, have this opportunity. And I didn't want people to feel like, oh, he got that opportunity because people felt sorry for him. Oh, he got that because people, you know, felt bad for him. I want them to be like, no, I, he was a good comic. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he did this because I knew regardless of what the doctor said, I was going to be all right. Like, I knew that, you know, before he would, they said, hey, you're going to be, you just, I knew I was going to be all right. Right. You know, I knew, I just knew it. I just knew it. So I didn't want to get through there and then people be like, oh, he used that to propel this. Mm-hmm. He used that to get this. I, I want, the only reason why I, I did tell is because, you know, talking to Danielle Williams, who is battling some, some way worse cancer than I've ever had to deal with, you know, she's stage four lung cancer as someone who's never smoked. So to see her deal with it and, you know, tell everybody and watch her help so many people. I I felt bad mm-hmm. that I wasn't because I know so many men who do not go and go get themselves checked out. And the only reason why mine wasn't as bad as it was because I did go get myself checked out. I wasn't, I didn't have that fear because I felt like not knowing. And then later on being like, Oh, I could have prevented something and the fear prevented me from being there with my children later on. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. You know? So I was like, Hey, I'll go figure whatever it is out. That's wrong with me. And I know that a lot of men do not want to know, you know, man, I found out right after the black Panther died, you know? So it was like, if that nigga can die, little ass me can show us he'll die, you know? So it was a, one of those where it was like, but at the end of the day, I owe it to my children. You know, I owe it to my kids to find out what's wrong. Just like I told you with the vaccine, single me, probably don't know if I would have got it, but parent me, I have a responsibility to sit up there and give them the best shot at having a parent as I can, you know? Um, If it helps other people to go out and just like working out, at times I'd be like, I don't want to post this shit. You know, I don't want to post this shit. But there's people that actually sit up there and say thank you because they're it helps motivate them. That, that's real shit. Like you, 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 yeah. you'd be surprised by how many people watch you that actually take away from what you're doing in a positive way. I mean, there's a bunch of haters that be like, fuck that nigga. Right. You know, like that happens all right. the time. We fixate Look on this that. nigga trying to show off. <laughs> yeah, but th- you mm-hmm. we'd be surprised how like either complete strangers or people from a far distance are watching you and just continue to be motivated by you. So thank you. Uh, sir, right. Cause I can, go ahead. Yeah. Cause I can have like, I can have comics that sit up there and crack jokes and shit like that. And, and, and it'd be like 10 comics that crack jokes. Right. But then there's two people that are sit up there and say how much that are really battling weight problems that are like, yo, seeing you come back from that and seeing you doing this really helps me. And it's like, okay, I can deal with the haters and the funny people because I get it. It's just jokes, you know. And if I get them at a, a crowd, you know, I shoot at them when I see them when I see them in the crowd. But unfortunately, they don't come. I don't get them all in the crowd. Yeah. Shoot at them the way I used to be able to shoot at them. Yeah. Uh, but it's all it's all to help those who are struggling with that cur- with that with finding the courage to do the things that they want to do. And sometimes they look at us to find that strength and find that courage. And that's why we, that's why, I, that's the only reason why I came out and told people, that's the only reason why I do half the shit I do. Because I, like you said, some people do look at me and look at him. He's doing it like I can't do it. For me, I'm like, man, I'm just not doing enough. I need to be doing more. But other people <laughs> look at it like, hey, man, that's what I'm trying to do. And I try to tell them all the time, 
I'm not, I don't, I don't do friendship. Like I've never been one to be like, oh, you the homie, I'm going to give you this opportunity. That's not how I got where I got to. I got to where I got to off of working hard, like literally working hard mm-hmm. and having to earn, having to do all these shows where people like for free. Whereas like, yo, I'm really trying to show you that I can sit up there and do it after a while. I know when somebody's using me and I'll know when to sit up there and be like, hey, OK, you have to pay for some of this shit. I can't be coming here every weekend giving you this shit for free. But to a degree, I never asked for anything like and i and i just want to prove myself i look at that the same way in comics like if you're hungry i'll see it and i I, and i and i always reward the lions like the hungries will always eat they'll always eat this ain't no oh man you know i just want to you gotta know where you at a lot of the times comics don't know where they at and and if you're strong on the mic you can go into a room you may not have to bring a bunch of people because people know hell you're gonna be funny but if you're not strong on the mic, make sure you bring a bunch of people like, hey, I, ain't funny, but I got 30, 30 motherfuckers that have come see me, you know, tell me, tell me if there's somebody, if you're doing a show and a comment's like, yo, I'm in town, I want to do a show and they send you their video. It's trash. It's probably like trash. Tell me you're not going to give them like two, three minutes if they like, I could bring 30, 40 people though. Yeah. 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 So if they were smart and said, look, I might not be good now. But I'm going to sit up there and get better, but I'm going to have to keep bringing people. I'm going to have to find a way to get people like I'm a promoter myself mm-hmm. and I'm promoting events that I'm not going to mm-hmm. that, that I could. Hey, I could be here and I could bring this many people. Eventually, if you're smart and if you're good and you have some form of talent, you will be able to get stronger and better performing in front of bigger crowds like that. But not a lot of people have that that hustle. Mm-hmm. They just want this is all free game right now. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, they hit me up all the time. time and they ask me, yeah, they hit me up all the time. Ask me, how can I get on? How can I get on? And I look at their video and I'll be like, you're not ready for me yet. But here's a, here's this show here. Here's this show here. I'm going to be in the building. I'll watch you to see if you're growing. If, if you need to know something, I'll tell you. Because I'm still a comic. And I know what it feels like for people to waste my time. I feel I know what it feels like for to go to a club and put on a good performance and be like, where, where was the booker? Where's the booker? Now I'm not going to be there every second, but I be, I'm, I'm there three, four times a week, you know, watching people set to see who's doing what. So if they're working hard, I'll see it. If they not, then don't ask for nothing. You're not ready for Because a lot of times if you put a fighter in a fight, they're not ready for I put you on stage. You want to do a guest spot. I put you on the on Saturday night guest spot and you bomb. Oh, the owner's in the building and they're like, who the hell's bombing on stage? Now everybody knows you as that whack comic. Now you probably <laughs> could get better, but that was the impression that they had on you. Mm-hmm. You know, that was no, that no first comic impression ever wants you. that. that that's, a, that's a hard thing to shake but they, off. Right, but... You wouldn't believe how many people send videos and be like, "Nigga, you are not ready for the stage yet. You are not ready. You are not ready for me. You are, you can you can need to work your way with my producers of shows, mm-hmm. and then when I'm watching them watching you on their shows, I can I'll, I'll tell you, hey, look, mm-hmm. you here, you here. There's people that don't host that have never hosted. And I'm like, hey, I would like you to host this show. Why to see? Because I feel like they some people are better hosts than they are. Like you know, you mm-hmm. should know. I got you. It's people that are better hosts than they are comedians. Like they're like they have an energy that people are like. I like that person. <laughs> I like that person. You know, 
and I felt like in the beginning where you were trying to find yourself on stage, you were able to carry yourself off a of personality and people just liked you. Yeah. So when you were trying to find how you wanted to be and how you wanted to get into everything and how you like, where, who am I as a comedian? You were able to survive on stage by just being, Hey, people liked you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I actually owe a lot of credit to hosting early on. I feel like there's gotta be, if I could do anything differently, I would have, I wouldn't, I, I felt like I got to a point where I only hosted. Like that's the only thing that I was doing. That's and a I tough one. Like yeah, I feel that one. That yeah, you get into trouble one. because you're you're unable to develop a set list, you know, mm-hmm. strength and material. When you're hosting, you're just doing bits and chops of your your, you know. So yeah, if I could do anything differently, I would have been like, let me host these shows, let me feature these shows, let me do a set these shows, let me headline these shows, because that that balance goes longer than just hosting because you get great at it mm-hmm. and and honestly mm-hmm. there's no there's no ceiling <laughs> you know like you you need to move on to another position and uh uh i, I agree with you so yeah well that was a that was a you sh- that was a doing more rooms mm-hmm. doing more rooms so yeah you were doing there's, there's you were doing a lot of shows hosting but you could have been doing a lot more other rooms on the side on the, on the weekdays and stuff like that, where you mm-hmm. were just doing regular sets mm-hmm. to be able, because that's, that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like I would be doing those shows and press get on the weekends and stuff like that. And, and whatever on the weekends and stuff like that. And then on the weekdays, I'd be here. I, I'd be there and I'd be there, you know, working on my sets. So then I'd be throwing them into my hosting sets, mm-hmm. you know, on the weekends and stuff like that. So it was just a, a matter of just, continuously doing it yeah i think had i not again things were going well that last year but moving really brought out because you was going well yeah it was going well you was doing big your shows were selling out and stuff like that and yeah but but i think moving for me really challenged me to like uh get better like as a business person because it was it was more Mm. than just Mm. this show this weekend it was you know the next six months you know what shows are you doing traveling you know, just become a role comic. I think that was important yeah. for my journey. So, uh, appreciate you, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry if we went over in time. Ain't no doubt, man. Like uh, no, three hours to get on here because <laughs> you you couldn't click. Yeah. The link, but, you, you know, know, I'm old, man. You can't, you can't. <laughs> hey, look, man. I'm old. You got, I had to see my old man glasses. They they, they, they look dark on you. Though. you your yeah, style man. works for you. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody else can pull it. Like my I can't man. pull it off. <laughs> hey, 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 I appreciate that. That's a compliment. Uh, enjoy enjoy <laughs> your time with your family. Anytime, brother. Uh, I, I, oh my, oh my, I, yeah. Oh, were you about to just log me out? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was. Man. You saw, you saw my finger. Dude. <laughs> All right. In in no, no. call. What All right, bro. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> no, what was you about to say? Say what you was about to say. No, man. I was gonna say, uh, enjoy your time with your family, and I, I promise to never send your wife a friend request ever again. <laughs> I never do this. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now that that was the lady at the time. That was the lady at the time. Okay, at that time. Gotcha. Appreciate it, brother. Later. (laughs) We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass.